Blog Talk Radio. We're going to start off the broadcast a little bit different today. We have a Hurricane Florence, which is approaching the United States East Coast. And we want to make clear to all our listeners and all those listening to the broadcast, whether it's by Facebook or Blog Talk Radio or the Internet, that we are going to be praying for the entire east coast of the United States, specifically beginning with the border of Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina, because of this hurricane. The uh, hurricane, uh, the weather, uh, National Weather Service and the other weather services in the United States have projected that Hurricane Florence will, by the time it approaches the east coast of the United States, will be at least a Hurricane Category 4, which is very dangerous and very, very uh, destructive. And so we are definitely praying for all the listeners and all the brethren in Christ in Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia, and all the way up the East Coast. We are going to be praying for all the saints. And behind Hurricane Florence are two more hurricanes forming. And it's the busy hurricane season, so we don't want to forget our brethren in Christ in the path of these storms. And we'll certainly be praying for them in the uh, days and weeks ahead. Because uh, we're looking at least, a, I would project, a six-week window of very busy activity in the hurricane season in the in the United States uh, area. And so we want to thank everybody for praying in advance. Uh, they're talking of Hurricane Florence makes landfall on the East Coast. It will be somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. We'll see. Only God knows where it's going to make landfall. But that is projected to take place Thursday this week coming. So if you're in that path of that hurricane, we urge you to uh, make yourself uh, prayed up and prepared up. Get you some water, get you some batteries for your radios and uh, flashlights and candles and whatever else you need. Please prepare ahead of time and pray. Thank you, everybody, and as appropriate, this is the hymn we begin the broadcast with. God who 
storms that we live in daily. We praise him. Okay, Marianne, open up our meeting up in prayer, sis. Okay, I'd be happy to and blessed and so glad everyone is here and you could join us. And Chaplain Bill spoke about the approaching storms this week. I know I will be keeping an eye on that. Um, Even though I've never been in a storm like that, I've never experienced a hurricane because I've always lived in what they call, well, we're... I guess we're part of the Middle East, Mideast, I'm not sure, I'm sorry, or Mid-United mid, <laughs> mid States here in Ohio, but never have experienced a tornado or a hurricane. I think the worst, maybe some really bad hail, damaging hail, uh, that type of thing, but my heart does go out to those. I've seen the damage on the television news and what can happen. So I think we can pray away this storm, uh, this hurricane that is formed. And also, Chaplain Bill is right. There are other uh, little storms that seem to be swirling off the coast of Africa, so we'll be keeping an eye on those too so we can all pray. This will be a week of prayer, no different than any other, but uh, we'll be just changing and adding even more prayer requests. So let's pray to our Father. He's so good to us. Oh, this week, I just, every day, just thinking and praising him for his goodness to us. Let's always do that. Father God, we just come to you, your children. We praise you with all our hearts. When we are awake or just nestling down to sleep, we can rest in you, in your presence. We bless you for your grace and mercy to us. We thank you that you are the light of the world. Help us to help others who need you, Father. We pray for each prayer request from Berean Chapel, spoken and unspoken, and we thank you, Father, for the prayer warriors in this ministry. We thank you for their faithfulness and ask you to bless them. For those who love you, but are persecuted daily. We read about it. We hear about it. Father, we pray for their protection. And we pray your protection over Israel too. Every day, Father, it's your day that you give us. We ask that we never, ever shut you out of our day by the concerns of this life, like Chaplin said. But give us ears to hear and hearts that are open. We know you're with us in our worries. Thank you for our comfort, O oh Lord, for your love that radiates from Berean Bible Chapel. A godly love for others is here, and how we praise you for that. And now, this evening, may our worship and our being together, all together as family and brethren in Christ, may it be a blessing to you. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' precious, precious name, amen and amen.
Amen. We are purified in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about today in the message aspect of the broadcast. Around the 6 o'clock hour, we'll be talking from uh, what I call a... uh, Are you listening? Hold on to your hats, everybody. Hold on. Here we go. Wait for it. A PC message from Kaplan Bill. You say, what are you talking about, Kaplan Bill? PC. Well, from in my case, PC stands for Philippians Colossians. <laughs> gotcha, didn't I? Gotcha, didn't I? PC, Philippians and Colossians. We'll be looking at some passages in Philippians and the passage in Colossians everybody's familiar with. But they convey the importance of having true Christian character and integrity and what that means. And we're going to be looking at that today. Today's a edifying message from God's Word, speaking to your heart in these last days and end times, folks. And you've got to be listening. Got to be listening. Before we proceed, I want to have a brief Bible prophecy update because there's been some some shakings going on, like uh, in our in our state, South Carolina. Ernest Hollings says. There's just too much shaking going on, going on. <laughs> and uh, he, we always called Senator Hollings, Ernest F. Hollings was his name. We always called him uh, that Looney Tunes guy, you know, the the the, the, <laughs> the, the chicken guy uh, who was on the cartoon, if you all remember. Boghorn Leghorn. My wife reminds me of the name. It's it's really he's a former senator, but he always used to say, "There's too much shaking going on, going on." And so we're going to look at what's shaking today in the Middle East, and we'll begin by talking about the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, which this weekend launched multiple missile artillery attacks upon the Kurdish opposition militia operating in northern Iraq, targeting Kurdish militia officials who had gathered for meetings to discuss the Kurdish militia operations throughout the Middle East and Southwest Asia. Seven Iranian missiles struck in precision bombing upon the specific building where the Kurds had gathered. Fifteen Kurdish militia leaders and officers were killed. Dozens more were seriously wounded. This was the first time in many months that Iran has attacked targets in Iraq itself. You may remember Iran has been attacking targets in Syria quite frequently in conjunction with Russia. But this was the first time Iran had attacked targets in Iraq. And among those injured, by the way, was the Kurdish Secretary General and his predecessor. <laughs> the attack by Iran, of course, was a message. It's a message uh, delivered to both the USA and Israel, both of whom have supported the Kurdish militia in the past, providing humanitarian, medical supplies, small arms, weapons, and, and ammunition, and intelligence. Uh, for the Kurds as they uh, operate to overthrow the uh, Syrian regime and also uh, Kurdish opposition to the uh, Iranian Hezbollah. The message is clear. 
Iran can and will strike without regard for the position of the USA and Israel and will strike those supported by the USA and Israel. It is a message to Saudi Arabia, which has also supported the USA in Israeli attempts to support the Kurds. <clears throat> and Iran also wanted to remind Saudi Arabia that it directly supports the Houthi rebels in Yemen that launch missiles targeting Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. Those missiles fly in 900 kilometers from their launch point. The Iranian Shiite regime message is clear that they will strike from anywhere and sanctions and threats mean nothing to the Iranian jihadist regime. <clears throat> Simultaneously, at the same time, meanwhile, the Syrian Assad regime, Iran and Russia have begun their assault and operations upon the Idlib province in a massive wave of a one, <laughs> this is astonishing, <clears throat> a massive wave of over 1,060 airstrikes in three days. In recent days, the first of which included 60 airstrikes by Russian military helicopters and aircraft in a three-hour period, dropping the insidious barrel bombs and precision-guided rockets from Russia fighter bombers, destroying two hospitals in two days, killing and wounding many, many civilians. The northwestern region near the Turkish border saw the heavy attacks resume around midnight Sunday. Sixty barrel bombs were dropped by Syrian regime and Russian helicopters and fighter bombers launching multiple airstrikes upon the village of Hobayat in Idlib's southern countryside. In the neighboring Hama province, Russian jets carried out airstrikes in the village of Al-Latatmanit. The hospitals in both areas were destroyed into two separate targeted villages. Even as the Idlib military operations unfold, hundreds and hundreds have fled in advance, and the Syrian refugees are facing being caught in the crossfire of the airstrikes where the fleeing civilians are in some cases being mistaken as rebel groups trying to avoid being attacked by the massive Russian military operation that is unfolding. It is estimated that over, are you listening, over 800,000 civilians are contemplating fleeing Idlib in the coming days. Now, can you imagine, folks, what kind of an incredible danger that presents? 800,000 people fleeing for their lives from these areas at the same time the bombings are going on. And then we're watching... Uh, Russian, Iranian, Turkish, and Syrian regime continuing to press the military efforts for the attacks upon Idlib and despite UN, US, and EU calls for the ceasefire. And late today, just before this broadcast began, Russia rejected a call for a ceasefire truce that was pr prompted by Turkey's reset Tayyip Erdogan, and so the attacks continue. 
Now, this is interesting because everybody thought the trilateral meeting between Russia, Iran, and Turkey thought that everyone thought that that could result in a minimal ceasefire to get civilians out of the area, but Russia just summarily rejected it and instead launched more airstrikes. So we're watching uh, the formation of this axis of evil, this this uh, Russia-Iranian-Turkish uh, power coupling with Syria in the mix coming into view. We're watching it happen. And as we said in our last Bible Prophecy update, we're even watching Isaiah 17, where Damascus is a ruinous heap. We're watching that take place, too. And in addition, uh, let us understand something. Idlib, the Idlib province that is being attacked, that is the last bastion for the rebels trying to overthrow uh, Syria's Bashar al-Assad, that last that area itself uh, was a launch point in the Old Testament for attacks upon Israel. So we're seeing the same area involved in a major humanitarian uh, catastrophic crisis unfolding in our lifetime. And if if that doesn't speak to uh, Scripture's authority on the destruction you know, of Damascus, and I, I just don't know what else people need to be convinced of it. <clears throat> if you go to Zechariah chapter 12, Zechariah chapter 12, I'm just going to quote. Uh, you don't have to turn there, folks, but I'm going to turn there, and uh, I want to read a couple of verses here in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12, and where you see... Uh, where it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling upon all the peoples round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And of course, we know that Jerusalem uh, and Israel, Judah, is under siege this day and has been under siege since the very day the nation was reformed as a nation. And uh, what I call the Jerusalem option when wherein President Trump his decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, it did indeed result in a cup of trembling coming to pass in our lifetime. We've watched this. Uh, I would remind everybody that when the decision was made, it resulted in a United Nations General Assembly vote in March of 2018 declaring America's decision as null and void in the United Nations. The UN vote at that time was 128 nations against the decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. 128 nations now who are outraged at the decision. Twelve nations, of course, voted in support of the decision to recognize Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. The 128 nations also, by the way, sent diplomatic cables and communiques to the United States embassies in their countries the day after the U.N. vote calling for the U.S. to withdraw its recognition of Jerusalem. And this is an interesting thing, calling that decision the flashpoint city of Israel's capital, 
In other words, they did not, these 128 nations decided, they apparently coordinated their attacks and their diplomatic cables and communicates against the U.S. by saying that our decision was creating a flashpoint city, which was Israel's capital, Jerusalem. The Jerusalem option itself is perhaps, in my in my assertion, as a pastor and as a Bible scholar, uh, as small as I may be, <laughs> and a Bible prophecy student, perhaps the most and the greatest evidence that we've seen in our lifetime of the unfolding of Bible prophecy in these last days since the prophetic regathering of Israel transpired and commenced with the reestablishment of the state of Israel on May 14, 1948, against all odds and in the face of global opposition. In Zechariah 12, we see the prophecy that Jerusalem will become a cup of trembling and outrage among the nations. And this was partially been fulfilled in our eyesight and as we are his eyewitnesses of his majesty, the majesty, of course, of God's word. And as a result of the Jerusalem option that has unfolded, if you, if you turn, if you considered Zechariah chapter 14, you, we read these, this passage, and this is really incredible. Zechariah 14, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and the spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, and I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the cast, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and the half of it toward the south, and you shall flee to the valley of the mountain, for the valley of the mountain and shall reach unto Azel, yes, and you shall flee as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee, and it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day, not night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And the reference, of course, is to our Lord Jesus Christ's second coming to Jerusalem at the Battle of Armageddon when he comes down and literally destroys the empires of this world and the heathen enemies of God and establishes his kingdom. And we, we, we read this in Scripture, throughout Scripture. But here in Zechariah 14, the prophet declares, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. This will take place on the day of the Lord when Christ returns 
to destroy these world empires and these heathen enemies and to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem will indeed be the point as Christ's feet stand upon the Mount of Olives and the earthquake upon that instant divides the mountain toward the north, towards the south. Everything shall be changed and transformed in that instant. All the geography, all the landscape, all history and everything will be changed in that moment. Beloved, Christ is coming. O Lord, haste the day. Even so come, Lord Jesus Christ. And that's that's what I wanted to add in this Bible prophecy update. That in our lifetime, folks, we have seen and observed Bible prophecy unfolding and being manifested right in front of our own eyes. Yes. You know, the mention and the and the purpose and the motivation and the catalyst for Bible prophecy isn't to get us to sit here and be amazed and astonished and patting ourselves on the back for understanding these things and, you know, witnessing these things as if, you know, we, you know, this is the purpose of Bible prophecy. Purpose of Bible prophecy is to get you to live godly in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? Yes. The purpose of Bible prophecy is to get us to uh, live what we are taught in Philippians and Colossians. The purpose of Bible prophecy is to provoke us and love one another fervently and to pray fervently for one another and to pray fervently that we would walk in obedience to the word of God, that we would indeed magnify and exalt the testimony of Jesus Christ and the testimony of the word of God. And I would put, I, I would submit that to all brethren listening to this broadcast whether it's live, whether you're live with the broadcast, or whether you're going to be listening to it in the archives during the week, whenever you hear these words, I urge you, you, to live for the Lord. To live for the Lord. You know, there are so many folks just walking away from faith, so many folks who have lost interest in the things that used to occupy them. They have, they, have, they have lost their first love, as Christ describes it. We see this on so many hands, don't we? Marianne told me just a few moments ago about a Bible study she used to go to, which was at one time very well attended, very well in, involved, and, and people loved gathering around the Word and discussing uh, prophecy and what God had to say in His Word and things. And now the Bible, that Bible study itself has ceased. Yes. And, and the interest has, in some cases, been lost. And for whatever reason, it's no more. And this is happening not just with Mary Ann's Bible study group that she, she and Mylan would attend, but it's happening everywhere. And, it's, and we're watching it on every hand. Beloved, tragically, sadly, and the question Christ asked in the Gospels is repeated in our souls and hearts, and you know something, the question is, when Jesus comes back, will he find faith on the earth? 
when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And the answer to the question, my friend, is you. It's you. It's us. It's me. And, you know, this broadcast exists so that we can lift up and magnify the testimony of Jesus Christ and the testimony of the Word of God. And that if Christ comes during this broadcast, that he does find faith here on the earth. He does find faith in, in, in what God has to say to us in his Word. I'm going to play a hymn, and when we come back, Mary Ann's going to share what she wants to share share with us today. But I really want you to stop and think about this. That day of the Lord we read about in Zechariah 14, that day is going to come. And when it comes, be ready. Be ready, beloved. Yes. Be ready.
and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. And he's, of course, talking to Israel. And like one of the songs says that Chaplin plays to his word is alive. And like Chaplin said, the pages of Bible prophecy, they're literally jumping out at us only if our eyes are wide open. God's word is the progressive unfolding of his truth. From Isaiah to Jeremiah to Ezekiel to Daniel to Joel, Zechariah to Revelation. And this September now is a special month for the Jewish people. The Lord's Fall Feasts are all in this month in September. And this evening, the High Holy Days begin. And this is the start of the Jewish New Year, 5779. And some of the symbolic foods that you're probably really aware of are, of course, apples dipped in honey, and that's for sweet New Year. And, of course, the New Year greeting, Lashana Tova. There is a desire, it's been said, for most Jewish people to be in Israel. And that's a yearning in their souls put there by God. Jerusalem belongs to God and his chosen. But the God of this world hates that. He can't accept it. And so many don't get it. They don't understand. The Bible verifies and declares that Jerusalem, the capital of this little tiny Israel, is God ordained. She truly is the apple of God's eye. And it can come to treaties and negotiations and resolutions and endless talks. Our God, he ignores all these from heaven above. These beautiful feasts of the Lord established by him special times to meet with his people. Let's pray during this time as Jerusalem is surely a stumbling stone right now. Chaplain Bill's been reading my notes this past week. It's a stumbling stone right now to the nations of the world and it seems that everybody wants to grip Jerusalem tightly. The UN, the Vatican, the Muslims. But her future is secure in Messiah Jesus. God's spirit of grace will be poured over the Jewish people in the hour of their greatest need. And we need to pray for them, for their salvation, that many would recognize Yeshua, Messiah. Oh, precious ones, the Eastern Gate, the Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley, or the Valley of Jehoshaphat. This week, my heart, for some reason, has been so burdened for Israel. Jesus spoke only truth. And if you read in John 18, verse 37, Jesus told Pilate, everyone who is of truth would hear his voice. And Messiah, he's the one. He's the one, precious ones, on the white horse in Revelation 19. He's called faithful and true. Thank you, Chaplain Bill. Thank you. Hey, what a great, great, great devotion. And I am amazed that uh, you didn't catch me reading your your notes earlier. <laughs> I didn't catch it, no. <laughs> no, but my, my heart was really heavy for Israel this week for for some reason. And today is the start of their high, holy uh, 
days, they call it, of feasts, and it's very special to them, and, and in a way it's special to us too uh, because we love Israel so much. We pray for her. So, yes, yes. Amen, amen, amen. 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 All right. I'm going to play a, a hymn, and then we'll come back and... Uh, Marianne and I will have a little bit of banter, and then we'll go into the next. The end draws near 
you know, just go bonkers and destroy the computer with the big hammer. And my my daughter one time when I was having trouble with with computers, she said, this is the picture that looks like you, Daddy. (laughs) And and also those, Chaplain, those that have, uh, people have asked me about iPads, but I don't have one, so I don't know they've expressed they've had trouble listening on their iPad, but I know Kathy Foss, Kathy Foss knows a lot about getting people into the broadcast, so I'm going to, you know, send them over there. Yes, if you want to do that, folks, you can do that. Yeah. uh, Send a a message, chat message to Kathy Foss Hunt, uh, C-A-T-H-I-E-F-O-S-S-H-U-N-T, Kathy Foss Hunt. And Kathy will give you the uh, shortest route to listen to the broadcast, yes. and and the easiest uh, way you can do that. And she's my technical advisor, and <laughs> and my pastoral assistant, and the, and the woman I point, and she's the sister in Christ I point people to. You can ask Mary Ann that. I do that yes. all the time. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we love <you>, Kathy. <laughs> We love she is Kathy. the unsung. She is the unsung hero unsung who has put hero. up with me for eight years. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm, and I, I'm kind of like uh, Abraham Lincoln in that manner. One time they came to Abraham Lincoln. Everybody knows about Abraham Lincoln, and Abraham Lincoln was married married to Mary Todd. Mary Todd <laughs> had an incredible temper, and in one instance one of the members of the cabinet came to Abraham Lincoln and said, I, I can't, I can't put up with this with Mary Todd. And <laughs> President Lincoln looked at him and said, sir, can you not, can you not bear for seven minutes what I have endured for seven years? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, okay. I guess that's the uh, one way to look at things, but uh, uh, and all joking aside, folks, Kathy Hunt is a godly servant of God, and I, we are deeply grateful for her for the ministry. And we are uh, that you know, there's a lot of things goes on behind the scenes that people don't know about. Yes. And a lot of things is uh, going on behind the scenes that are in or in the benefit of the ministry that people don't know about. And in some of those instances that nobody knows about, except Jesus and the staff. Kathy's directly involved, and she's uh, she is a she is a truly truly a godsend for the ministry, and has been since the very inception of this ministry. Yes. And God has. And this is one of the things I'd like to say in this little brief banter, Marianne, is that I have noticed, and I'm sure you have too, that God sends us people who are not toxic to us. Instead, they are just like the scripture says, like iron sharpening iron. They are brothers and sisters in Christ who are there for our benefit, and God sends them our way. Sometimes we're the person helping someone else. Sometimes they're the person helping us. And in and in all instances, it's all a blessing of faith in Jesus Christ. It's all a yeah. blessing. In, in in regards to our lives, I 
I wondered, uh, Marianne, I'll tell you this, this week I uh, had a chance to go off with Dave, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about our lives and uh, our, our walk with Christ and all of that kind of stuff, and we were discussing things, some serious things, in fact. And then we got into talking about how we've seen God's hand in our lives before. And I told Dave, I said, one of the things that has really dawned on me in this ministry and in my own heart and life is that God protected me when I was younger so that he would preserve me for when I was older. And that God saw what was going to take place in the future when I was still in the past and, and protected me from disaster and peril. On many occasions, I could give instances, but I won't. But uh, there were times when, you know, now looking back, I can understand. I can see God's hand, you know, preventing a disaster, you know, and instead preserving me so that when I got saved and where I would be so that I could be there for people like my sister in Christ, Mary Ann, fighting cancer. And and sisters and brothers in Christ fighting uh, other diseases, you know, some some of them lupus, some of them uh, diabetes, some of them uh, spinal injuries, uh, heart problems, heart distresses, diseases, uh, incredible uh, trials and tribulations they're going through, and you know, it really hit me, Marianne, that. And since this ministry began, there's been at least seven different suicides prevented through this ministry uh, playing an indirect part, God playing a direct part, but in, in indirect, indirectly through brothers and sisters in this ministry, and that those lives were saved, you know, yes. from disaster, you know. Their families were spared from being shattered. And 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 when you see God's hand in those situations, then then you can, if you really truly can discern it, then you understand the necessity to walk godly, you know, and to and to live godly in Christ Jesus. And and you're so grateful. I mean, there's just no other word and no other no other standpoint or perspective I can have in regards to this except to say. I'm so grateful to God, you know. I'm so grateful to God. I mean, I just think about this, Marianne. Is that and come and you feel free to jump in, you know. But when I was working, I had it all set out. I was going to retire, go fishing, time off with my grandkids, you know, the whole nine yards, all of these things. I had an entirely different thing for retirement in my mind. Oh course I would go to church and you know and 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 still be a Christian and all but the emphasis wasn't on ministry I didn't think I would be in ministry I thought I would be retired you know in the mm-hmm. what do they call it the golden years of your life the and golden all that years. Yes. you know and instead instead I was working one day and then all of a sudden I couldn't stand up and I was in tremendous pain and I couldn't function. I couldn't even think the pain was so bad. 
and that resulted in me going to the doc, going home sick that day from work, going to a doctor, finding a serious medical situation involved, winding up having major surgery, and there were brothers and sisters in Christ who God provided for me, who counseled and advised me and prayed for me, and I was like. I told Dave, I said, Dave, when I thought about all of those things and I saw what God's plan for my life was so much more than my plan, I would not trade one day of this ministry to have 10 years of what I thought retirement would be. I am so grateful to God for the opportunities I've seen in the the friendships I've made and the precious, precious, precious opportunity to understand what it really means to love one another and to and to truly, truly try to help. You know, Marianne, what I thought about? I thought about that Marianne Bible Chapel, Marianne. <laughs> you're going to laugh. I know you're going to laugh because I thought about this last night. Marianne Bible Chapel literally helped drive you up a wall. Every day at your house, you are drove up a wall on a stairlift, aren't you? Yes, I am. Several times. We we literally have driven you up the wall and down the wall. Yes, yes. It's it's only possible. It's only been possible because of the, the, the wonderful, just the blessing of, of, people that I don't even know to provide this this chairlift yes. for me. Otherwise, I don't know what would have happened. Um, we don't know the See? future, but I'm so grateful, and I want everyone to know that someday when I, when I can type again and when I can write good, and I'm getting better. I'm, I really am getting better at the cursive writing, so... I tell you, thank you, notes are coming, because that's how Mama raised me. <laughs> she did. <laughs> I thought about that last night, last night Mary. I said, well, that's, that's ironic, because that means we've driven her up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If anybody knows the stairlift, Marianne's house is two stories high. Marianne's bedroom is upstairs, folks, you know, where her and Mylan knock around at is upstairs. And, and the shower. Marianne in the shower and all the rest yeah. is upstairs. So Marianne, she needed that stair lift and God said, Give her a stair lift and I said, Are you sure, Lord? Stair lift costs so 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 the Lord said, I didn't ask you what it costs, I said, Give her the stair lift. And so, you know, God did it. God opened the door, spoke to heart, God worked in the situation. And it was miraculously provided. And here's the here's the wonderful thing, folks. It was in the timeline when she needed it. Yes. Yes. It wasn't like, okay, five months down the road, this is what Marianne faces. No, not my friends. This was when she needed it. Yes. And that's why I know God's word is true because God's word provides our needs. He said, what you need, I will provide. And he provides our needs. He does. And there it is. He he works in our lives. He does things when we stand amazed. We are astonished. And the Lord says, you know, is there anything too hard for me? Yes. And, and we like, 
wow, Lord, you know. I mean, I remember those days, Marianne, when you were at Menorah Park and I was talking to Mylan and Mylan would call me up and bless his heart, bless his heart, he'd be, he would be like holding back, you could hear him holding back the tears of joy. Yeah, broken heart. He was just, he was incredibly astonished and amazed and yeah. and like, you said it would happen and it happened and, and I, I was like, don't. Praise me, Mylan. I didn't do nothing except help get the word out. That's all I did. That's all I. God has always told me that. You know. You know. It, you're the you're the mailman. Okay. I'm the gift. Okay. That's what God's told me. You're the mailman. You you, you deliver the, the the news, the good news. I'm the one that provides the good news. God says. And this is this is amazing. This ministry that we've been part of, Marianne, because it's been it's been astonishing. I've been friends listening to me, all you listening to me, and I know it's a little after six, so we got to get into the message, but I, I, I am so thrilled beyond any description, any adjective. It falls away short to what I want to express and, and complete praise for the, for the opportunity that Marianne and I have had in sharing Christ and in the way we have reached out to shut-ins and people who are and who, who are uh, uh, physically unable to go be anywhere with anybody and this ministry is like a lifeline to them and, and this this broadcast is like a uh, a refuge just like a like Marianne once described a safe harbor it's my safe harbor. Safe place, it's, it's, yes. yes. And, and let me tell you something, folks. In the last days and end times, it's good to have a safe harbor. Yes. It's good to have somewhere where you know you're safe and you know you're accepted and you know you're loved. Because, and there's so you know, many folks out there. You know, Chaplain so Bill, folks. too, when, when things start to get really bad, People may just turn to us. They they may turn to us for help and answers and comfort too. Yes. Exactly, and that's why I think God raised the ministry up because yes. I wouldn't trade. I would not. I seriously, I wouldn't trade one day, one day in the retirement I thought I wanted for what I've experienced already. Wouldn't trade one day. No, no, ma'am. No. This is, I, I, yeah. This is one of those. Cases where I know this is where God wants me, and I know this is what God wants me to do. Yes. And and when, when I talk to like you, Marianne, or 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 Linda Dodd, or or, or mm-hmm. uh, Linda Hurt Resinger, or Katie Chopper, or Susan Blackshear, or mm-hmm. uh, I can name I can name saint after saint, brethren after brethren, uh, and all of them. Brian Mills, God bless Brian Mills. You know, he came to us because he was concerned about his daddy. And he's been blessed beyond anything he ever thought, he's told me. And the fellowship, just the fellowship he has here. And this is like, praise God for that. Praise God. And when you see what the Lord has done, given confirmation and affirmation, then you're like, you just stand amazed. You're just like, praise God, praise God, and I and that's all we can do is praise the Lord. Okay, 
All right, I'm going to play a hymn. When I come back, Mary Ann's going to lead us, lead us in prayer for the message, and we'll begin.
Okay, Mary Ann, lead us in prayer, please. Okay. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and that it will come to pass. Your word gives us wisdom. May we all have ears to hear so that we can learn. You are holy, O Lord, and we stumble and fall sometimes, but we thank you for Jesus. We give all the glory to you, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. All right, beloved. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the epistles to the Philippians, chapter 4. Very familiar passage we'll begin with. This is our PC message for tonight, our politically correct. No, thank you. It's more of a Philippians-Colossians message. And this is our message tonight. It is on godly character and integrity, living godly in Christ Jesus, I want to say. If I gave the message a title, that's what it would be, living godly in Christ Jesus. And you can't live godly in Christ Jesus apart from his word. I want everybody to understand that. There's a kundalini spirit out there today that teaches you can. It's teaching that, you know, they're teaching in many megachurches, little churches, churches everywhere where this kundalini spirit, this false demonic spirit has taken root, unfortunately, and you can trace the reason this is happening to the fact that people have walked away from God's word, and they've walked away from the sound doctrine and sound teaching. In fact, the word of God tells us that in the last days, people will depart from sound doctrine, and and instead they'll gravitate toward teachers that have itching ears, in other words, people who say what they want to be said, he wants uh, to hear instead of what God wants us to hear. And, you know, what Chappie feels and his opinions and all, uh, well, you know, they're just Chappie's opinions and all. But what God's Word teaches is much more much more beneficial, much more important, and much more uh, needful for our generation, especially this terminal generation of the remnant, the body of Christ, where we're uh, Literally, uh, we are the ones with the word of God, folks. You know, there's coming a a famine in the land. I I hope you know this. There's coming a famine in the land, folks. And it's not a famine of bread, not a famine of water. It's a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And that famine is on the horizon. You can see it. You can hear it. You You can determine it, its approach. And we are watching this happen on many hands, in many fellowships, and in many areas. And it's it is uh, our, you know, our responsibility to proclaim God's truth in God's word, in the testimony of Jesus, and the testimony of the word of God. In Philippians four, verse four, we read, "Let's start with these words: Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, why would Paul start out saying, let our moderation be known unto all men? Why didn't he say, look, we're going to take the most conservative Christian viewpoint possible, and that's where we start from? Well, the actual word moderation there is talking about pleasing God. It's talking about patience in our faith. It's talking about being tested and tried in the fire. 
and the moderation is that we're trusting God to be the moderator of our lives. Do you understand what the word's saying here? Let your moderation be known unto all men. In other words, let the Lord be known. Who, if, if God is the one who teaches us moderation, teaches us how do we endure in testing and in the trial, then he's the one that we're going to want to be made known, isn't he? He's the one that wants to be made known. He wants us to make him known. Think about that. He entrusts us with the gospel to make him known. Scripture says that we may know him in the power of his resurrection. What was the power of Christ's resurrection that he conquered death itself? That that his sacrifice provided our salvation and redemption, provided the gospel with its with its core, with with what is the gospel. There's a false gospel out there, folks. False gospel being presented on every hand in many ways. Doesn't talk about the cross of Christ. Doesn't talk about Christ sacrificing himself. It's 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 it mentions Christ, it gives him lip service, but he's not the center of it. And this false gospel that is out there is appealing to multiple millions. And I'm here to tell you that the true born again children of God, the true born again church of God, his body are the only ones with the true gospel. Do you understand that? Because we are watching on every hand this false gospel assert itself. And we're watching it influence thousands, tens of thousands, even millions. And, you know, God's going to hear have his truth heard. And he's going to have, he's depending on us, he's relying on us to do, to walk and live godly in Christ Jesus to have true Christian character and integrity. And this is how you get it, by rejoicing in the Lord always. doesn't say rejoicing in the Lord sometime. <laughs> Don't you just, I mean, that's very encouraging that the word there is always, not sometime. In other words, he, he, do we rejoice always? No. Lots of us are tested, and we and, and the pressure becomes almost overwhelming, and we find ourselves in tears, and we feel weak, like we betrayed Jesus. Somehow, somehow we've, uh, you know, failed. Somehow we've uh, haven't measured up, Lord. And the Lord's trying to tell us here, it's not about measuring up. It's not about meeting God's expectation. It's about accepting Him as the expectation meter. Him, Jesus, do you understand? He knows how much we can bear. In fact, he says he will not suffer us to be tested or tempted above that which we are able, but will with the very temptation and testing itself make a way of escape. And that way of escape is always, Lord Jesus, help me. That's the way of escape. That's the way he provides. He provides himself. This is why Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He he knows we need Christian character and integrity. And I want to say something. Christian character and integrity is not saying you have a Christian worldview. 
you know, includes uh, aspects of God's word or parts of God's word or, or segments of God's word. The true Christian worldview, in other words, the true Christ-like worldview is understanding Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. We talked about this last week when we talked about uh, those who, you know, proudly declare they're building the kingdom of God on earth. When in fact, the scripture teaches we are the kingdom of God. We, you and I, are inhabitants of the kingdom of God. And it is Jesus Christ who builds the kingdom because a king establishes his kingdom. We are his ambassadors, the Bible says. What does that mean? That means the ambassador takes what the king says and shares it with the land, with the countries he has sent ambassador to, with the peoples he sent an ambassador to. Well, here we start out by rejoicing in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Notice that he said that twice. He's trying to remind him. I know it's hard to rejoice in, 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 in certain situations and circumstances, but I'm telling you again, rejoice. It's an encouragement. Rejoice in spite of the pain. Rejoice in spite of the hurt. And rejoice in spite of the wheelchair. Rejoice in spite of where you're walking and what you're trying to do. And you keep feeling like you're failing. No, rejoice anyway. Because you're, we, when we rejoice, we are giving God his glory. We're, we're, we're giving God glory. We're giving God our trust, our faith, our reliance, our dependence on him. We don't rejoice in ourselves. Now, there's a lot of people out there in the world who rejoice in themselves, let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're oh, I am so great. Aren't I great? You know? Yeah. I'm a celeb. Look at me. I'm a celebrity. Look at me. You know, I'm telling. I'm giving the message. You know, and Christ is saying here, "Let your moderation be known unto all men." The Lord is at hand. No, and you know, he, people look at that. The Lord is at hand. That means that uh, some of them look at that verse, and, they, and some folks say it's talking about Jesus it's coming. No, it's talking about Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you when you're showing your moderation to all men. Jesus is with you when you're rejoicing. Even when it's hard, he's with you. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is here. The Lord is always near. That's what that at hand means, always near at hand. That's what Jesus meant. The kingdom of God is at hand. Why was the kingdom of God at hand? Repent, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is at hand. What what was Jesus saying? He was saying, Repent, I'm here. That's what he's saying. Because there is no kingdom without the king. And so, look, be anxious for nothing. I love this. Be anxious for nothing. Boy, let me tell you something. Have you ever been with children on Christmas morning? (laughs) <laughs> and they're standing, and they're, and you know, they, they first come into the room, and there's there's the tree, here's all the presents. And what do the children want to do? They want to play rip the presents 
apart and find out what's inside. Yes. You talk about anxiety and anxiousness, try to make a child sit on the couch and not touch nothing. <laughs> be, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. People ask, how do I pray, Chappie? How should I pray about this situation? Sometimes I point people to the Lord's Prayer and I say, well, look, look, to, look at the Lord's Prayer as a model for how you pray. You know, look at the Lord's Prayer. Well, here's another thing you can look at about prayer. Don't be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer, okay, you have prayer and supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is asking God to supply your needs. You're depending on God to supply your needs. Some of us know about that, don't we? I, when I faced my surgery and we were driving down to the hospital, there was a lot of supplication praying going on in that car, let me tell you. Even even though uh, I, was in, I was 63 years old, you know, and 45, 40, 42 years into faith, that did not mean I was not, you know, anxious about surgery and I was not wondering about the surgery and I was not, you know, what was going to happen and all this. I was asking God, Lord, support you, you know my needs. I'm asking you to supply me with patience, supply me with your peace, supply me with serenity, you know, supplication, supplication. And thanksgiving. Supplication with thanksgiving. Notice they're linked. They're connected together with supplication. With thanksgiving. In other words, I'm thankful for what God supplies me for. I'm thankful that God supplies my needs. I'm thankful how God has supplied my needs. I remember uh, many years ago when there were no groceries and two families showed up at my door after I prayed. You don't think I was thankful? When we had... Suddenly we went from no groceries to nothing to two months' worth of groceries. I was incredibly thankful. I was like in tears thankful, let me tell you. And then he says, let your requests be made known unto God. See, that's the encouragement the Holy Spirit's given to Paul. He's telling you, you're praying, you're praying for God to supply your needs. You're, you're anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And he could have stopped there, but he didn't. He said, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, he's saying God wants to hear your prayer. He wants to hear your supplication. He wants to hear that thanksgiving. He, he wants to have that communion and communication with you. I firmly believe, and people laugh at me, and I've had even ministers, and I, and I, when I share these kind of thoughts and, and say to me, well, that might be so, but I firmly believe that God smiles when he hears us come to him. I really believe we give God joy. Yes. I really believe that. I really believe it pleases the Lord. 
to depend on him, rely upon him, walk with him, talk to him, pray to him. Not because of what we can get from him, but because what he is willing to give. And we have no clue how much it means to God unless we we walk that faith, we live that faith, we live that godliness. Then it says, look, let our request be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's exactly where our needs and worries and anxieties uh, abide if they ever show themselves. Where do they start? They start in our hearts and minds, don't they? When we're anxious, our thoughts are just filled with the why we're anxious. If we're upset or 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 in tears or we feel like we failed, it's rooted in our hearts and minds, isn't it? And God's saying in this passage, to have true Christian character and an integrity, what we need to do is understand God's peace. Because it's going to come to us. It's going to come to us. And that peace passes all understanding. You, In other words, you cannot comprehend it no matter how hard you try. And I can't tell you how many times I felt that. I prayed for Mary Ann Stairlift. We talked about this earlier. I prayed for Mary Ann Stairlift. You don't think I was anxious about it? I was, I was concerned. Are we really going to get it? Is it really going to happen? Lord... You know, and then the Lord had to show me, I'm, I'm providing the stair lift. It was like I couldn't comprehend that. How does that happen? God's going to provide the stair lift, but he's going to use this brother, this sister, this other brother, this other sister. And they don't even know each other. They've never met each other, by the way, physically. Never physically met each other. And all these different brothers and sisters. And their husbands, you know, and God worked out every single detail. And the donations poured in like rain from heaven. And bang, Mary Ann's driven up and down the wall. Because God said so. It's hard to understand that. It's hard. If you try to explain that to the world, they look at us like we were insane. <laughs> they would say, what? What? People that don't even know each other? And they agreed on the very same thing. Because why? Because God prompted their hearts. That's why we can't understand it. Because God is the one who's at work. Like I've preached him before in the past, he's working behind the scenes. He's in the details. He's just in. He's just there, and that's how we find true Christian character and integrity. And then it goes on to say, "What it says keeps your hearts and minds." That word "keep" means down, just like a boat. You throw an anchor in a boat over, and that water can get rough, and the waves can come, and the boat's going to stay stay right in that one little spot because of that anchor. And the anchor is, you're not going anywhere without the anchor. Can you see it? And then he says, 
it shall keep your hearts and minds. Your heart and mind is anchored through Christ Jesus. There it is, Christ Jesus. This is where it all comes from. This is our, he says, I am divine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. A branch only flourishes as the vine is nurtured, doesn't it? A branch can bloom because of the roots being nourished in the the actual uh, tree or the vine itself. And the branches are strong, aren't they? And this is what he's conveying. Then he says, finally, brethren. And that word brethren, I love saying it. I love being reminded of this. Brethren, it means brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. He's talking to both of us, okay? When when we look at brethren, a lot of us think it's talking about the male, just the male gender. It's not. It's talking about brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. Brethren, brethren in Christ, he's saying. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. These things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do in the God of peace shall be with you. How, how, what is the advantage of living godly in Christ Jesus? The God of peace is with us. The God who gives peace is with us. And go back up to verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest. Every last one of these these descriptions, I mean true. Jesus says, yeah, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Honest, the truth, again, reemphasize. Just, the, I think of the scripture passage, to just for the unjust. Pure, whatever things are pure. Behold, the Lamb of God without spot, without blemish. Lovely. I think of a song of Solomon talking about Christ. You see, altogether lovely. Good report. What does that mean? Good report. It's, it's, it's a reference to that, script, that scripture passage in the Old Testament. Who has believed our report? Christ is the one. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? The Lord, the Lord believed our report because he is the report. He's the one we're reporting on. Whatever things are of good report. And uh, by the way, that word good means godly. What, what, what are you focused on in your minds? What do you find yourself watching? Are they things that edify? That's the main thing. Is what we watch and edify to us? Is it conducive to, to, I mean, if Jesus walked in the room, would he be comfortable sitting there? Would you be comfortable with Christ sitting next to you watching what you're watching? Guess what, folks? He is sitting next to you in the room when you're watching what you're watching. Whatever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, remember when the woman came to Christ, 
she had the disease and she wanted to get healed, and she touched him. And what did Christ say? He turned around and looked at her. He says, who touched me? And they said, what's what are you talking about, Lord? Hundreds of people around you. And Jesus looked at him and said, but I felt virtue go out of me. If there be any virtue, any trace of Christ is what it's talking about. If there be any praise, think on these things. What things? The things you have learned and received, heard and seen. All of us have that qualification. All of us can say what Paul said. The things that you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do people look at you and do they say, I I recognize a, a true Christian character and integrity person standing there. I recognize somebody who who is truly born again. I recognize somebody who's quite different than the normal. And that's what, you know, it reminds me of that scripture passage in the book of Acts when it says that they were first called Christians at Antioch. But, you know, the term Christians, do you know what it was? It at first, it started as an insult. It wasn't a commendation. It wasn't a, wasn't a, 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 a term of endearment. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be d- directed to do what purpose? For what purpose? To insult them. Because the word Christian originally means little Christ. Oh, they're just little Christ. They're just mimicking their master. They're just pretending to be him. They didn't get that they were becoming him, being transformed into new creatures in Christ Jesus. And God took the term. What they meant for evil, God turned around and meant it for good. Now, we've seen over 2,000 years, we've seen that term, Christian, watered down, haven't we? We've seen it diluted, contaminated, infected, infested. But the true Christian character and integrity is found in this passage. And it's found in Jesus Christ because he is the one to be thought of, to be spoken of. He's the one to be made known. Now, if you just turn over to Colossians chapter 3, in our time remaining, we're going to look at a, another passage in Colossians 3, and it's really, we're looking, starting at verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do also you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord in whatever you do, 
and word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And that's what living godly in Christ Jesus is all about. It's about putting on, as the elect of God, holiness and beloved tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. You know what forbearing one another means? It doesn't just mean I'm walking with Marianne as a Christian brother. It means that if she is hurting or, or needs help, I'm there for her. That's what forbearing means. That's what it means when we forbear with one another. And then it's talking about, as it says, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, do also you. That's a reference to the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. It's a reference. It's a reference to what is the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ, part of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness. I I don't I don't have much confidence in Christians who say they have no ability to forgive. I mean, forgiving, uh, you know, and they and uh, I love the way they do this. Uh, they sometimes they respond, oh, "Well, I'll forgive, but I ain't never going to forget." If, if that's your mindset, then you haven't really forgiven. Forgiveness is not holding a grudge. Forgiveness is taking the blood of Christ and wiping away the quarrel. It's, it's not you in your power granting to somebody your forgetfulness. That isn't what... No, no. It's giving the problem... To Jesus through his blood Which does what? Washes away Sin And transgression It's trusting In Jesus Christ To help you forgive That person You're turning it In other words you're turning the issue over To Christ That's why when Jesus brought up the subject Of forgiving uh, they came back To Jesus and said but wait Lord how many times must I forgive my brother? And Jesus looked straight at him and said, 70 times 7. That is, uh, what was it, 360 times or something? 70 times 7? 400, excuse me, yeah, Patty just corrected me, 490 times. You know, imagine thinking that, that you've got to deal with this this brother in Christ or this sister in Christ. They've been testing your patience since you've been been existing. And, you know, the real reason that's happening is because you prayed for patience, but God's word teaches patience cometh through tribulation. And so when you ask God for patience, be careful what you're asking for because you're asking to be tested. And see, Christianity and and, and the ability to forgive somebody doesn't hinge on us. It hinges on Christ. We can't, I can say, I forgive you, forget about it, never happened as far as I'm concerned. 
But there are some egregious things that happen that people find hard to forgive. And what the word is saying here is that we have that ability to forgive one another. In fact, we're encouraged to do so when the quarrels come up or the problems come up. Oh, we can have our little arguments and our little uh, coup d'etats between each other. But the bottom line is Jesus says, look, if you want fellowship with me, I want you to have fellowship with them. Because that person is hurting because you haven't forgiven them. Or it might be the exact opposite. God might say, if you forgive that person, you're going to show that person who has never been forgiven what it's like to be forgiven. And sometimes those things are hard and difficult, but he says we have the grace to do so because God gives us that grace through Jesus Christ who forgave us. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. A bond. You know what a bond is? It's an adhesive. Talking about a spiritual adhesive. Spiritual adhesive. Love is the bond between believers. It's the thing that holds us together. And we see that love and we and we and some people test it. They say, Oh, how far can I push this brother or how far can I push this sister before they stop loving me? And the bottom line is Jesus is saying, Look, through Christ, through me. I'll show you how to forgive somebody 490 times if necessary. And let me tell you something. After the 482nd time, I think you're about ready to forgive and get it over with. And this is what he's, he's trying to tell us. And then he says, above all these things, put on love. And let the peace, let, notice that word let, that little tiny word let. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Do you know what that means? That means surrender to it. That means, actually, it means, hey, guess what, Christian? You want to have true Christian character and integrity? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Try that instead of division. Try that instead of legalism. Try that instead of animosity and, 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 and grieving somebody. And being so mean-spirited and ugly and, and totally acting opposite of what a Christian do, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And watch what happens. That's what he's saying here. Watch what happens when you let the peace of God rule in your hearts. But then he reinforces why we should let it. Why? It's the Hey, guess what, Christian? It's your choice. It's your decision. God's holding you accountable for it. You want to call yourself a true Christian with integrity and character? You want to call yourself a true born-again Christian? A true child of God? Then let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. 
What does that mean? It means that we're one body in Christ. We sh- everybody should have the peace of God rules in our hearts. That's one of your trademarks. Jesus says they'll, they'll know you are Christians by what? Your love? Yes. But love and peace go together. You don't have love without peace. If you have love, you have peace. If you have peace, it's because of love. And then he says, you are called into one body and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. <gasps> Guess what? The pastor isn't the only one who gets to suggest things. He's not the only one who, who is uh, responsible to share things. Oh, you know, uh, I'm going to let Chappie be the one preaching the gospel to everybody. You won't hear it from me. And he's saying, no, no, everyone is to what? Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. The word of Christ. If God's word, if the word of Christ dwells in us richly, what does that mean? That means if, uh, like Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? Why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't keep my commandments? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I've, I've told you? And this is what he's saying. He's saying uh, that that's how the word of Christ dwells in us richly, because we are keeping his commandments. We are walking by his statutes. We are doing what the word of God says. And suddenly the, the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another. It's going to come out. We're going to help each other. We're going to encourage. We are going to be iron, sharpening iron. I'll tell you this, Mary and some of your messages and some of your messages that you've uh, shared and the, what the Lord laid on you from Psalms, they have helped me greatly as a, as a, as a pastor. And I knew God had you study that so you could share it with me and it would become part of my walk. And that's how it is in the body of Christ. So we'll close with this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. All that we do in word or deed, that is living and sharing the gospel. That is living godly in Christ Jesus. It's in word what we say, and it's in deed what we show and how, how we respond. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. It's been an encouragement to you. Yes. And as we wrap up the services tonight, I'm just going to, you know, we're just going to do it a little different tonight. I'm going to let Mary Ann close this in prayer. Then we'll play a hymn and we'll go out. We, Mary Ann and I won't say another word except we've been glad to be with you tonight. Yes. But we we really want, I, I want the word. I desire, I, I desire above all things that the word has been spoken, you'll think about it. You'll think about it in your life, okay? All right, Marianne, close us yes. in prayer. Yes. Oh, dear Father, that's what we want. We want your word. We want more of your word. Help us, Father, in that area. We want to walk in your ways this week. 
we can only do that by walking in your word. We need your supernatural strength to do that. It's not always easy. We want our lives to honor you everywhere we go, everywhere we are. We want to serve you this week, however we can. Some of us can't be out, some can, wherever we go, Lord. Help us just not to grab everything for our own selves, but to help others, to serve others, to love others. That's how we serve you, Father. We thank you for this message, Father. We ask your special blessing on each one that's come out tonight and on our chaplain, Bill and Patty. And we ask you to abundantly bless all. In Jesus' precious name, we give you all the glory, Father, always, because we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.